Good morning, everyone. I was uh, very grateful for the worship team and how they focused us on Jesus Christ. Every song, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word, just to rest upon his promise, just to know thus saith the Lord, and so on and so on. Thank you, worship team, very, very much. So there I was in the ninth grade, minding my own business, when a new friend of mine, Gary McCracken, invited me to skip lunch, the cafeteria lunch, that is, and go out on the church lawn under a big oak tree and share a bag of potato chips and some French onion dip. Well, that was the beginning of the Lord wooing me to himself. Potato chips, French onion dip. I still love those, unfortunately. But um, Gary was a very interesting new friend. His mother had passed away a couple years before, I think when he was in the seventh grade. His brother was a pastor of a booming uh, Jesus People Church, and um, Gary would pull out his pocket New Testament and read to me from the book of Revelations. Imagine that being your witnessing strategy. And... Um, I listened, I had never heard anything like the book of Revelations, and I was scared. And so I went home and I read voraciously from the beginning to the end of that book, and stayed scared for about two weeks, and then moved on. Fear was not enough to hold me um, to Jesus Christ. A couple years later, I think I was a junior, uh, in high school, I met a girl named Ann, and we started to date. At least I thought we were dating. I think she was trying to lead me to Christ. Um, I was pretty depressed at the time. I was doing a lot of stuff I shouldn't do. And um, I would ask her, Ann, what makes you so happy? And she would say, it's my faith in Jesus Christ. And I would say, okay, but really, what makes you so happy? And she would say the same thing. Then uh, the summer between my junior and senior year, a Jewish friend and I, Mike Bonoff and I, decided to go on a road trip in his dad's Audi uh, up to Canada and go over to Banff and Jasper and see what adventure we could have. And so we jumped in his dad's car, I assume with his permission, and we took off for... Um, those territories. And along the way, we picked up a French, um, a French um, Canadian named Gaston Caron. And Ga Gaston was a hippie. He had hair down to the middle of his shoulder blades. And, and, um, but I just really liked this guy. And so we're riding along in the car, and we decide to go camping up in the mountains. And I said to Mike, let's take Gaston with us. And Mike was like, no, no, you know, we don't really know him that well. And, but we ended up taking uh, Gaston into the mountains with us. And we hooked up with some other people, and we slept in the tents the first night. And the next morning, we got up to have breakfast. And after we were finishing breakfast, Gaston said to everyone around this campfire, you know, 
I want each of us to say what is the most important thing in our lives. And so one at a time, we went around the campfire saying what was the most important thing in our lives. And when it got back to Gaston, he said that it was his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so I, at that point, I said, okay, Lord, I know you're there, and I know you want me to surrender to you. And so I went off into the mountains by myself and invited the Lord to come in. And I can honestly say I felt him come in. I felt sin, the weight of sin, uh, leave my shoulders. It was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And as I look back on that story of how Christ uh, wooed me, I have to say that he found me. I didn't find him, but he pursued me and he found me. Do you remember back in the 70s, those of you that are old enough, uh, these big billboards that said, I found it, and bumper stickers, I found it. And then people would, people, you know, really didn't know what it meant. There was an 800 number. People didn't, re- so they, there were knockoffs like, I didn't know I lost it, or I smoked it, or, you know, people mocking this, I found it. But that was actually started by Campus Crusade for Christ in 1976, Bill Bright. And by 1978, um, it was that, those billboards and bumper stickers were in over 100 countries with that 800 number, and over 3.5 million people had come to Christ by calling that number according to Campus Crusade for Christ newsletter. But again, what I want to emphasize this morning is that he found me. And that's the title of the message, He Found Me. And then a subtitle is, And He Found You as Well. Amen? Amen. He Found You as Well. Yes, I was found by him. I was that, I was that prodigal son who squandered his father's inheritance and didn't deserve to eat good food, but was in the pigsty and eating pig food. And, and yet when I came to my heavenly father, I was given the best robe. New sandals were put on my feet, a ring on my finger. And I can honestly say, I still feel that love of God happening to me today. Are there any other prodigals in the room? Any other prodigals in the house tonight, so to speak? Yeah. You, you know that feeling. You know God is still putting that ring on your finger, putting those sandals on your feet, putting that robe around you. I heard him say to my accusers, we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead, but has begun to live. He was lost, and now he's been found. We sing so many great songs here at TCF, but I think the one that touches me most deeply is um, Lamb of God by Twyla Paris. And especially that third verse that says this, I was so lost, 
I should have died, but you have brought me to your side to be led by your staff and rod and to be called a Lamb of God. Isn't that beautiful? I feel like Mephibosheth in the Old Testament, in the book of Samuel, chapter 9. We read about a grandson of King Saul, who when David um, took over the kingdom, um, Mephibosheth was uh, apparently dropped and was lame in both of his feet. His name means shame. And uh, he, he fled to a, a town called Lodabar, which means land with no bread. He was worried that someday one of David's soldiers would come to his door and carry him away to be executed as part of the previous uh, kingdom under Saul. But instead, what did David do? He, he was walking through his palace and he asked, is there no one left of Jonathan's family that I can show the kindness of God to? And so he was led to Mephibosheth. He goes and knocks on that door and brings him to the palace and Mephibosheth eats at the king's table every day. I am Mephibosheth eating at the king's table every day. Are there other Mephibosheths in here? Eating at the king's table when you deserve to be back at the pigsty. I give him all the glory. I realize that when Jesus said to his disciples, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain, that he's speaking to me as well. I didn't choose him. He chose me. And I want to honor that and give him all the glory. James 1.17 says, Don't be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good endowment and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Certainly Jesus Christ and his salvation are the most perfect gift. And I wonder as I'm telling about myself what your story is. Maybe you were a criminal when Christ found you. Maybe a sex addict, maybe you were in jail. Maybe you had the blessing of a Christian home and you never wavered. And that is how God presented himself to you by his grace. Maybe you were a hippie strung out on drugs, an alcoholic, maybe mentally ill or homeless. Maybe you are in Christ, but you still are battling some pernicious sin, or tenacious disease, I want to say, even so, you, you are also Mephibosheth. You are also dining at the king's table each and every day. I was found by him. Not only was I found by him, but you were found by him. We were found by him. Amen? Not only were we found by him, but we're also... Miracle of miracles found in him, the scriptures say. Jesus said in, in John 14, If anyone loves me, he'll keep my word. 
My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. In the next chapter, we read, he said, Abide in me, and I in you. It's important we understand what a tremendous mystery this is. Paul called it the great mystery. Christ in us, the hope of glory. I often uh, want to emphasize to people when I have a chance to share the gospel that it's not about being good, is it? It's not about being as good as we can be. It's about letting Christ come in and change us from the inside out and yielding to that sanctifying work of his Holy Spirit. Let's take a look at just a couple of verses from the book of Colossians. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. This is where Paul calls that mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. He says, That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but has now been manifested to his saints, to whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And then also over in Philippians Verse 8 and 9, Paul talks about how he wants to be found in Christ. He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. This is chapter 3, verse 8. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And here's where he says it and that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to ask you to hear a question from me, and that is this. Are you secure in Christ this morning? Are you absolutely certain that you are secure in Jesus Christ this morning. You've been found by him. And Paul says, the scriptures say that we are in Christ. I want you to have that security this morning that you are in Christ and he is in you. So we were found by him. We were found, we are now found to be in him. And here's an added security from Colossians again, that we are also hidden with him in God. Colossians 1.3 says. Let's take a look at that together. Excuse me, Colossians 3.1. I'm going to start reading in verse 1 and read through verse 4. If then you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. And here's the, here's the line. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, is, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be 
revealed with him in glory. This great truth that we are hidden with Christ in God is beautiful. David, in the book of Psalms, talked about a similar theme about how God is our refuge. And from a previous sermon, I want to share with you 16 different ways that David says, God is my refuge. He said, the Lord is my dwelling place. I won't give you the references for these. If you want them, you can see me after. So number one, the Lord is his dwelling place. Number two, the Lord is my refuge. Number three, the Lord is my shelter. Number four, the Lord is my secret place. Number five, the Lord is my hiding place. The Lord is my stronghold. The Lord is my rock. The Lord is my light, number eight. Number nine, the Lord is my fortress. Number 10, the Lord is my shade. Number 11, the Lord is my keeper. Number 12, the Lord is my strength. Number 13, the Lord is my shadow. In that 113 degree heat, that's a nice thing. The Lord is my shadow. The Lord is my tabernacle. 15, the Lord is my tower. And 16, the Lord is my salvation. We are hidden. Our real life is hidden with Christ in God. I remember telling you before the story of my friend Tim Reside. Many of you know Tim. He used to, he used to go here to church and uh, was very active. But Tim wouldn't mind me telling you that he had a uh, bipolar break and uh, found himself on a locked psychiatric unit um, pumped up with, uh, I don't know what drugs, uh, but um, he was, his, his whole internal world was falling apart. And he remembers sitting on the toilet in the bathroom of his room, and God spoke to him and said, Tim, you are an integrity. I still have you. And so in the midst of all that confusion and all those voices and all, those, all that crumbling inside, he still heard the voice of the Lord, and he carries that message in his heart today, that God held him, I still have you, even in those moments. Doris, when you face surgery tomorrow, God will have you. He will have you. You are secure in him. He will have you. Hallett sings a new song uh, that I like quite a bit when I don't know what to do. Do you remember that one? Let me just read some of the... Well, I'll read you the chorus. When I don't know what to do, I'll lift my hands. When I don't know what to say, I'll speak your praise. 
When I don't know where to go, I'll run to your throne. And when I don't know what to think, I'll stand on your truth. When I don't know what to do. Our life is hidden with God. Your life, your real life, is already hidden away with Christ in God. What a comfort. What a joy divine. I want to ask you this question. Are you leaning in to that reality? Is He your refuge? Are you making Him your refuge? So we've been found by Him. We are now found to be in Him. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And so there's a result, and that is that I am found to be for God. Like you, serving Christ has become the organizing principle of my life. Your time, your gifts, your friends, your energy, where you live, what you do, what you don't do, how you spend your money, what you say, what you don't say, how you see the world, all of that is now shaped by Jesus Christ and your walk with him. The scripture says that he has come to have preeminence in everything. Let's look at that verse just briefly. Again, that's Colossians chapter 1, starting uh, or actually just verse 18. It says, He is also head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place or preeminence in everything. There are certain verses of the Bible that just kind of are haunting. You know what I mean? They're just kind of scary. Like... um, Proverbs 20, verse 6 is kind of a scary verse to me. Many a man proclaims his own loyalty, but a trustworthy man who can find. That's kind of a scary, it's calling, it's calling us to not just, like Dave prayed earlier, not just be sayers of the word, but be doers of the word, to be found trustworthy. Um, Another one is 1 Corinthians 4, 1 and 2, where Paul says, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. And then here here it is in verse 2. Moreover, it is required of a steward to be found, what? Trustworthy, in my version. Trustworthy. So, I want to be found trustworthy. You know, I've decided that it's not enough to just be, try to be holy before him, although we all know that's a big enough battle right there. But I want to go on the offensive for Jesus Christ as well. Do you feel that way as well? I want to be on the offensive for him. Um, I want to proclaim him, this God who found me by his grace. I want to proclaim his excellencies, as the Apostle Peter wrote. C.T. Studd said something about doing great things for God. I was walking up ORU's campus uh, this week, and there was a flag on the sidewalk on a pole that said, No small plans here. 
The book of James says, faith without works is dead, and, and be doers of the word, not hearers only. So I want to ask a question. To what extent are you for God and expressing your trustworthiness? May we spur each other on to love and good deeds and evangelism. May we be found trustworthy. May we be found trustworthy. And last, I want to be found in faith. When the Lord returns, I want to be found in faith. Do you remember Luke 18? This is a kind of a a parable that I uh, talk about a lot when I preach. It's the the widow going before the unrighteous judge. It starts out in Luke 18.1 saying um, that we ought to pray, always to pray and not lose heart. And then it tells the story of this widow uh, beseeching this unrighteous judge for justice. And he finally answers her because he's afraid of being worn out by her. And then Jesus says that God will answer us, by contrast, speedily. And yet when I come, this haunting question in verse 8, yet when the Son of Man comes to earth, will he find faith on earth? Well, I want him to find faith in me. And I thought, how, how... How will that be expressed? And I've decided that for me, my faith will be proven by persevering in prayer. It doesn't matter. Let miracles come. Let fruit be born. Let battles be won. But I want my faith to be proven by persevering in prayer. Because I can't control the results, right? But my job is to be persevering in prayer for the people I love and the things God puts before me. I want to read to you a chunk of letter from Mary Lou Covington about the battle that she's gone through and um, read you a quote that she puts in at the end. She says, Hi, Bill and TCF family. July has gone by fast, but here are the highlights Oh, by the way, um, she has, in case you don't know or haven't been here before, she has a a disease called transverse myelitis. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's a a bacterial infection of the spine. Um, And so she was hit by this, I think, in April. Is that correct? March or April. And she's been working very hard to gain... Uh, uh, the the use of her her body back again, fighting every day, working very hard. She says, I continue to do lots of physical therapy and to make progress. I'm now working on a stationary bike. I do a half hour on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays before I get into the pool. Pool therapy consists of lots of exercises, climbing stairs and walking in different depths of the pool. Of course, the deeper I am, the easier it is and the more work when I'm in the shallows. The other thing that is new is that I have pretty much left the wheelchair behind, except for emergencies and extreme tiredness. I now use the walker all the time. I walk to the bathroom to eat meals, to the bedroom, outside for short periods, to get into the car, to go to the pool therapy. I am building up resistance now so that I can walk more. 
Um, a week or so ago, my tooth broke. It was an old root canal that just gave way. We have a friend who is a dentist, and he came to the house to take a look. At first, he said that it could be repaired, but when he got a closer look, he said that it needed to be pulled. And so she talks about the tooth being pulled. And then she ends up all of this with, it seems that it has been a year of intense battles on many different levels. But then she quotes this man, a Phillips Brooks, a clergyman from the 1800s, who, who wrote the lyrics to O Little Town of Bethlehem. She quotes him saying, Do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Then the doing of your work shall be no miracle, but you shall be a miracle. To that I can only say, Mary Lou writes, amen, and so is our prayer. You know, so often we're obsessing, as we face challenges, we're obsessing for a miracle. And I want to remind you this morning that you are a miracle, that you are the miracle, that God has found you. God has secured you in himself. He has hidden your life away with him in Christ. And now it's our job to, to be trustworthy and to be found in faith when he returns. After receiving Christ in the mountains that day up in Canada, the group of us went into town. I can't remember if it was Jasper or Banff, but we went to the Central Park. We bought some cheese and crackers, and uh, we were a pretty rough-looking bunch sitting there eating, eating in the middle of the park. And up waddled a little old woman, obviously fearless of what she was looking at, and she began to tell us about her relationship with Christ, how Christ had found her. But she said, the thing I remember is she said, I, I needed to know for sure that I, my name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And so I went into my bedroom and I shut the door and I stayed there and I prayed until God spoke to me that yes, my name was written in the book of life. And she went on to witness, and then she tapped me on the head three times, and then said her goodbyes and left. <laughs> and I was beaming, because it felt like an angel had visited me and confirmed that I was lost, but now I was found. By contrast, I remember looking at my friend Mike's face, and he looked sick. He looked like he was visibly sick. And I just saw the contrast between, in that moment, between that, that I had moved from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And... Um, I just want to say this morning that God 
found me. And he has found you. And I want each of us who know Jesus Christ to be secure that he will keep us until that day. So would you bow your heads? And I want to ask you to consider responding to some, some thoughts. The first is, um, if there's anyone here who does not know Jesus Christ and you would like that security, I uh, want to assure you I won't embarrass you or make you come up front, but I would like you to take a stand for him. So if you're in that camp, uh, would you stand right now? and receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. We'll give you just a minute. Thank you. What a blessing. Anybody else? So, Father, we thank you for this one person who is standing and uh, bystanding is saying, you will be from this day forward my Lord and my Savior. We ask you to forgive her for every sin, Lord, and uh, drive a stake in the ground this August 19th, 2012 for her that says that was the day that I stood to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Lord, Forgive her her sins and fill her with your Holy Spirit and bless her. Help her to feel those things of being transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. But even if she doesn't feel anything, Lord, it's real. And we praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Now I'd like to pray for any who... um, perhaps know they're secure in Christ, but they're worried about being trustworthy. Um, You're worried about just, uh, will I stay secure? Will I be worthy of the calling with which I've been called? And you'd like God to, or just to express to God that you want to be worthy, you want to be found trustworthy, and you want his grace to bring you safely home. Would you stand? And let's pray for these. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for these who are standing, who um, are reaching out to you in faith and believing, Lord, that you will bring them safely home by your grace, that you are able to keep them and to bring them before you um, in fullness of joy. We pray for any besetting sins, Lord, or that you will break the bondages of these, anything that's holding us back, Father. We pray for your deliverance and your healing. Thank you for these who are standing, Lord, saying, I want to be found trustworthy. I want to be found in faith. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We commit these words and these prayers to you. 
you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.